Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. This whole day has been about Jesus died three days later. He was alive. He was alive. He appeared to crowds upwards of 500. He appeared to enemies. He appeared to friends. He appeared to families. He appeared over the course of 40 days in multiple locations. People ate with him. People conversed with him. He was very much alive. And this is the bedrock of the Christian faith. At the center of Christianity is not a place not a wailing wall, not a temple, not a mosque, not even an empty tomb. At the center of Christianity is a man who walked away from his tomb into his own triumphant victory. Let's hear it from Luke's gospel. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity does not exist. As the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. You see, Christianity is not a philosophical system. It is an historical fact. It is not based on a place. It's based on a person. It's not about an ideology. It's about an event. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let me explain this. First of all, what resurrection is not. Resurrection is not revivification. I just wanted to make sure my college degree went to work. <laughs> revivification. What else can I throw up there? A 14-letter word. That sounds cool. What that means, you, you can see a word in there, revive, in there, revivification. It's someone who dies, comes back to life, and then dies again. Well, that's what happened to Lazarus, if you remember his story from 
John chapter 11, he died. Jesus went to the tomb. The story shortened is Jesus says at the tomb, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. He was very dead. The King James Version says he stinketh. Yes. He was very dead. He lived for a while and then he died again. Well, that's not what happened to Jesus. Second, resurrection is not reincarnation where you die and your soul supposedly migrates into another state of being through endless cycles of karmic progress or regress until at some point you become nothing and at one with the divine. Resurrection is not reincarnation. Resurrection is also not annihilation where when you die you just simply cease to exist as if nothing awaits. And resurrection is not universalism where everyone dies and goes to be with God. Only those in Christ. We died in Christ, we rise in Christ. We rise like Christ. We rise through Christ. We rise for Christ. And if you're not in Christ, there is no resurrection to eternal life. So the resurrection of Jesus is vitally important. Why do we believe in it? I want to now give you several evidences for Jesus' resurrection because I want you to believe deep down in your heart. This isn't just a fact. This isn't an archaeological dig. This isn't an interesting anecdote. This is everything. The resurrection of Jesus is everything. And I want you to believe it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength for all your days and to serve that cause with all your might. And I'll give you some reasons why we want you to. And, and if you are not a believer, then today is the perfect day in which you can give your life to Jesus. And let me give you some circumstantial reasons for that. First of all, we start with this whole idea of cause and effect. Everything that happens has a cause. So we look at the changes that come into the world as a result of, after the resurrection of Jesus. So the burden of proof is on those who say that he is still dead. How can we explain the changes that I will share with you in just a moment apart from the resurrection of Jesus? I would say the burden of proof is on those critics, not on the believers. Number one, we would read earlier in Luke's account. Now, take that back. We just read this account in Luke where the women were the first to the empty tomb. You may not think, well, why is that such a big deal? Because if the resurrection of Jesus is a fabricated tale, and it, it's the women that went to the empty tomb and received the message of Jesus, you can rest assured that that is in fact historically accurate and true. It's not a myth. It's not a lie. Why? Because women at that time could not testify in court. So if you're going to make up a story about a resurrected man, at least have men be the liars because they could testify in court. This shows that the Bible is not a lie. 
because a lie would not have been told that way. Number two, additional circumstantial evidence. Before Jesus' resurrection, the disciples were all cowards. We find them as the book of Acts opens, 120 followers of Jesus hiding, terrified. And Jesus seemingly walks through the walls, resurrected and alive, and all of a sudden, after seeing Jesus alive, they don't fear death anymore. You see, previously, a man like Peter, total coward, Jesus is going to be crucified. And a young woman comes up to Peter, a servant girl. In the eyes of that society, she was a nothing. She was a nobody. And she asks, aren't you with Jesus? <laughs> no. No. It happens a second time. I don't know what you're talking about. And a third time, he even curses. I, and I have no idea who that man is that's Peter before the resurrection. And after the resurrection, history records the fact when it comes time for Peter's death, he too is crucified. Do you know how? Upside down. Because he felt that, okay, you're going to kill me. I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord Jesus do it upside down. How do you go from being a coward to being one who says, I'm going to do this upside down if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus? You see, Peter's idea is at that point when they were about to put him on the cross, I know what's going to happen. Kill me. I don't care. What are you going to do? You're going to send me to Jesus. Why didn't Christians start why did they start preaching and teaching and suffering? Why did they serve wholeheartedly under the reign of horrible emperors? Why did they suffer under Nero? Why did they not fear death? Why did Christianity not end when Christians were fed to the lions alive as sport? And, I don't know if you know this, Christians under the reign of Nero were coated with pitch and resin, hanged on a cross as outdoor torches for Nero's parties. Why did Christianity continue? Because Jesus was alive. Death was no longer fearful or final. It just changed things. It changes everything. Number three, the followers remain loyal to Jesus. If Jesus just died, and that was the end of the story, a few billion people today would not worship him. One out of every three people alive on earth today worship Jesus as Lord. I mean, think about this. Two other men were crucified alongside Jesus, and people aren't walking all over the Holy Land. Hundreds of thousands of pilgrims a year trying to figure out more about those two men. We don't know anything about them. We don't even know their names. Why? They died. Jesus rose. That makes him distinct and unique. 
and people remained loyal then to Jesus. Have you seen it when a politician runs for office and there's this groundswell of support, but if he or she loses the election, well, you kind of give up hope. You throw away the t-shirts, maybe you take the bumper sticker off your vehicle. And one of two things then takes place. Those who were so supercharged for this, this leader either give up hope or they find another Messiah, another Savior, another Deliverer to follow. You see, after Jesus died, His followers didn't go after another rabbi. They didn't follow another religion. They remained loyal to Jesus. And they became fearless. And they spread and they scattered and they preached and they healed and they taught and they cast out demons and they walked around with resurrection power of Jesus because of the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And they went from 120 to over 3,000 in one day. And then it spread to the Gentiles and the nations of the earth. How in the world do we account for this 2,000-year legacy of loyalty to a dead man? There is no explanation for the birth of Christianity apart from Jesus. If Jesus Christ is still dead, then the disciples scatter, the early followers mourn, and everything comes to an end. It doesn't continue for another 2,000 years, causing Jesus to be the most famous person to ever live in the history of the world. More songs sung about him more paintings painted about him, more books written concerning Jesus than any other person in the history of the world. Number four, another thing that we look for, worship changed. Uh, Another evidence of the resurrection, another evidence of what happens because of Jesus' resurrection. They stopped worshiping on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath. Now, these people were devoutly devoted to their Sabbath. It's it's still that way today in the the Jewish community in in Israel. Uh, Many of you have heard me tell this story before. In going to Israel, you get on an elevator. We do it all the time. You go into a hospital, go into an office, whatever. You push a button, you go to the floor you want to go. Not in Israel on the Sabbath. They have Sabbath elevators. You don't push a button because that's work. They're so devoutly devoted to doing absolutely no labor or any sort of labor on the Sabbath. So I learned really quickly, on their Sabbath, their Saturday, our Saturday, don't get on the Sabbath elevator because it'll open and close at every single floor up and down, up and down all day long. I got on the Gentile ones, pushed the button, and got where I wanted to go. <laughs> Sabbath keeping for them was so important. Sundown on Fridays, shops would close. Everyone goes home. They will not cause any labor of any sort because they were so devoted to the Sabbath. And now all of a sudden, 
The early Christians stopped worshiping on Saturday and they started worshiping on Sunday because Jesus' resurrection is on the first day of the week and now a new era has dawned. Number five, Jesus' family worshiped him as God. His own mother, Mary, she was devout in her faith. We read much earlier in Luke chapter 2 that she took Jesus with Joseph, his adopted father, to the temple to dedicate him before the Lord when Jesus was 40 days old because that was the custom. That was the Jewish custom. These are very devout people. They are peasants living in Nazareth, a very small town. Joseph's a carpenter. These are poor people. The cost and the time and the journey of probably a month or more to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem to make this ceremony happen and then back to Nazareth again, that was a big sacrifice. That's how devout they were. And following the resurrection, we see Mary in the opening chapter of Acts being numbered among those 120 who are praying to her son as God. We would later see his brothers, James and Jude, worship him as God, become pastors and write books of the Bible bearing their names. Before the resurrection, they thought their brother was an absolute lunatic. And following the resurrection, he went from lunatic to Lord, and they worshiped him as God. I'll give you a couple more. Jesus' enemies worshiped him. There was perhaps no greater enemy of Jesus than Saul of Tarsus. He hated Christians. He saw, too, the murder of as many as he could gather. We first meet Saul overseeing the execution of an early church deacon named Stephen in Acts chapter 7. But Jesus comes down and he reveals himself. Long story short, Saul becomes Paul, becomes one of the greatest proclaimers of Jesus' resurrection, and he dies without ever repenting or recanting. There's no way to explain Paul's transition from a devout opponent to a devoted worshiper of Jesus apart from the resurrection. And number seven, no body was ever produced. The Gospels tell us that the first explanation given by the Jewish authorities was that the body was stolen. Well, great, where is it? A good reward would have been offered. And you're looking at a sealed tomb as well. When you consider a large stone has been rolled in the place of its entrance, a Roman seal has been placed upon it, and no one should be able to open it without the right authority, much less there's a guard troop stationed Who stole from this tomb? Why is there no record? Where in the world did the body go? And even if the body weren't stolen, why is it alive? Okay, they stole the body. 
yeah, then why did he then start walking around and eating fish and preaching for 40 days? You still have to answer that one. Just because the body was stolen, that doesn't account for anything. The ultimate answer is it's empty. Jesus is alive. Let me say that a little bit more boldly, and I'll put it on here as if I'm yelling at you in a text. <laughs> Jesus is alive. Death is conquered. Sin is conquered. Satan is conquered. The wrath of God is lifted. Jesus is alive. And this changes Christianity from every other religion on the face of the earth. There are four major religions. Three of those four are distinct. Christianity is unique. Those four religions that I'm referring to are the four that have a founder rather than a philosophy, meaning they follow a leader, not just a, an ideology like Hinduism does. So you know what happens. Each of those religions has a sacred place where their founder is buried, and that founder's worshipers make pilgrimage, and they weep, and they mourn. Why? Because they're remembering the death of someone they consider to be a great man who gave some teachings but had no power, who might have given some hope but not life. And so to this day, the Jews follow Abraham, and they know that he was buried in Hebron, and they make a pilgrimage there to remember their dead leader. Same with Buddhism. They know that Buddha is buried in India and his followers to this day journey there regularly to mourn and weep and wish that Buddha was alive. He's not. Those who follow Islam know that Muhammad's buried in Medina. So they go to that burial site every year and they wail and they mourn and they weep. They remember him. They wish he were alive. He too is dead. You know who's buried in Abraham's tomb? Abraham, this isn't a trick question, folks. <laughs> you know who's buried in Buddha's tomb? Buddha. You know who's buried in Muhammad's tomb? Muhammad. You know who's buried in Jesus' tomb? Nobody. Exactly. No one. <laughs> Friends, we are not Jews. We're not Muslims. We're not Buddhists. We're Christians. We follow a man who is alive. His name is Jesus He's God become a man who lived this life that we have not lived. He died the death that we should have died, and he gave us the gift that we cannot earn. He is Lord, God, King, Savior, and he's living right now, ruling and reigning on a throne right now, preparing a new Jerusalem right now, willing to forgive all sinners and all sins right now. Now, willing to give the gift of eternal life right now and preparing us for a resurrection day of our own when we shall see him face to face. And until that day, we continue our praise of him who is alive. And we remain and we abide in him.
We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.